Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, February 8th, 2018. No theme today, it's just going to be all over the map. We have those from time to time. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of of really crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching, that is put out by the evangelical industrial complex is far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. It isn't even close to what the churches historically believed, taught, or confessed. And there's just a lot of deceiving going on out there, and a lot of it is uh, for... <clears throat> financial gain, yeah, to make merchandise of people. And unfortunately, after cleaning out your wa- wallet, these uh, false teachers end up also sending you to hell. So we don't want that to happen to you, either your money or your soul being lost. So uh, the idea is we teach discernment, we do the long-form comparing and contrasting in order to warn the body of Christ and to help lead people out of error and into the truth. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Like I said, no theme today. Normally, uh, at Fighting for the Faith, there's a unified theme. It could be a theological theme, doctrinal theme, epistemological or apologetic theme. Those are your general broad categories. And then the idea is we try to get all of our horses working together so that uh, you learn discernment. And, uh, and along the way, you know, this is something that benefits you. It's the 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 funny part. The the uh, the entertainment is the least of what we do here. All right, so let's talk about what we're going to do. We're going to go back a little bit, and I want to remind everybody that uh, Jim Baker has created the expectation 
that uh, something big, something big is supposed to happen uh, at this year's uh, uh, Winter Olympics. I think the uh, the opening ceremonies are tonight. Looking forward to it. I actually enjoy watching the Olympics, although I don't have as much time to watch television, so I'll be watching it on demand as I am able over the next few weeks. So don't tell me what's going on. <laughs> don't spoil it for me. I, I don't know, so <laughs> I don't want to know. So we're going to uh, check in with Jim Baker and uh, see what remind you what he had to say with his 2018 Word of the Lord. He gave a prophecy and set an expectation that something big was going to go down with the Winter Olympics, so we'll take a look at that. Uh, then we're going to check in with uh, uh, Jennifer Ivaz. Jennifer Ivaz. And uh, did you know that uh, you can actually stand on Luke chapter 21, verse 18, and uh, prevent hair loss? Yeah, so uh, those of you who are balding or, you know, suffering from pattern baldness or the loss of your hair, apparently Luke 21 is going to help you there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't make that up. So, uh, yeah, that's really what's going on. So we'll check in with Jenna Ravaz and see if we can figure out how to get a, a hair um, miracle. Yeah. So, and uh, then let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Have any of you uh, ever heard anybody referring to Brian Houston of Hillsong Church down in Sydney, Australia? Have you any of you ever heard uh, him being spoken of in ways that would imply that he and his wife Bobby Houston are apostles? No, you say no. I've never heard that. Well, we're gonna change that today. Uh, we're gonna be heading to Hillsong Church as we listen to Jules A. Bell. I think she's on the leadership team down there in Sydney. And uh, the uh, the series was I Love the Church, and we're going to hear her explain how, well, actually, we're going to hear her explain something, and in the, along the way, she's going to make it clear that I think she considers um, Bobby Houston and Brian Houston to be apostles, mm -hmm. which is just really weird to me. Um, of course, everybody knows, hey, it's just the so-called NAR, the NAR isn't a real thing. No, 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 no. It's just the so-called NAR. No, it, it really is a real thing. And uh, then to round out our number one, we're going to hit uh, Vinings Lake Church as we listen to Peter Rollins. This will be an emergent church update. Wax eloquent regarding the his Lenten practice of atheism for Lent. That's right. He, you know, some people give up. Reese's peanut butter cups. Other people give up, you know, soda pop or things like that for Lent, which doesn't, none of that makes any sense to me. And, uh, but he gives up belief in God for Lent. And uh, so we'll <laughs> be checking in with uh, Peter Rollins, who is always somebody who makes no sense. And by the way, we'll be checking a biblical text in the uh, book of Colossians to that will warn us against what we're going to hear from Peter Rollins. And uh, then in hour number two, we're going to head to C3 Church San Diego, and uh, Phil Pringle has uh, been making the rounds, doing some traveling in order to, uh, you know, strong-arm people, motivate them, motivate them, sorry, not strong-arm, but motivate people to uh, go to the Presence Conference this year, including 
people here in the United States. So uh, we're going to listen to uh, Phil Pringle in his uh, sermon titled The Blessing, and we're going to hear another twisting, same type of twisting, of the book of Joshua and the crossing of the Jordan. And we'll note that the biblical text literally doesn't say the things that he says it's going to say, and we'll note the manipulation and strong-arm tactics being employed by Phil Pringle. So that will round out today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We've got a lot of ground that we need to cover. And since we're going to begin with the William Tapley, Third Eagle of the Apocalypse, co-prophet of the end times, well, that'll be the music for our Jim Baker segment. Let's do this. Here we go. Soon, listen to Thirty Eagles tune. Doom and gloom. God is telling us the end is coming soon. Very soon, you'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon. Doom and gloom. Very soon, rapture comes at night or noon. Doom and gloom. Very soon, if you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. Bum, 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 bum. All right, so we're heading back to the Jim Baker television program and his uh, word for the Lord that he released for the year 2018. Of course, <clears throat> Jim Baker claims to be a prophet. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second here. I'm looking at his head. Um, ooh, Jim Baker suffers from baldness. Yeah, we got to get him and Jennifer Evaz to have a conversation with each other. But... <laughs> Let's go back as uh, Jim Baker gave his word of the Lord for 2018. We're going to listen to it in context so that we can note what it is that he says, and then we're going to pay attention to the expectation that Jim Baker has set up for this year's 2018 Winter Olympics, which begins today. Here we go. We're in such a time of grace, but it's the time of being prepared for what's coming. Amen. And it's coming suddenly. Suddenly it's coming. And God spoke to me. We would have a year of great distress. And it would begin this period of time. And think of what we've been through in these last years. And God is trying to turn it around for us. And over half of America don't want it turned around. God's trying, folks. He's doing his best. Right. They want what we're doing. We want. They want to kill our unborn children. They want to do the things that God says, don't do these things. I believe with all my heart that the beginning of sorrows yeah. has already started. I believe we're in that time. Matthew 24, 7 says, for The beginning of sorrows has already begun, folks. It's just terrible. It's absolutely terrible. The beginning of sorrows has begun. Please visit Jim Baker's website and buy yourself some buckets of food so that you can survive the time of sorrows. Or at least if you die during the time of sorrows, the person who finds your buckets of food can survive himself or herself. Nation shall rise against nation. Kingdoms against kingdoms. What's a kingdom? 
And there shall be famines. That means no food to eat, actually, in the modern English translation. And there'll be pestilences. They're here now. This year, the news this year has, you know, and out in the West, they're building tents. That's right, FEMA. To, To... Isolate people because it's coming and it's coming. Because of hepatitis A and B. But so much is happening in these these events that are taking place. And North Korea is capable of everything that our enemies have done in the past altogether. Yeah, they're they're capable. Yeah. Little backwater (coughs) tin penny dictatorship okay yeah and you got to watch the olympics i haven't talked about it i mean i remember the lord has spoken to jim baker so this is him revealing what god has told him but god's been saying pray for that the olympics that they're, they're planning this isn't from science this is from what i feel god has spoken to me so note this isn't from science this is a direct revelation Given by God to Jim Baker. Direct revelation, folks. They're planning something big. They're, they're planning a major, major event. Major event. Yeah, it'll be like the gold medal of terrorism or whatever. It's a major event planned for <clears throat> the Winter Olympics. In the Olympics. That will bring terror yeah. to this world and to, to all of it. All right. So that was Jim Baker. Just want to remind you, you know, with the Winter Olympics beginning today, opening ceremonies tonight, that, hey, you know, the prophet Jim Baker has spoken and uh, their, their major, major terrorist attack is, uh, is in the works for <clears throat> the Winter Olympics for this year. So, and uh, that's him creating that expectation. You know, you're going to note that he was quite careful. He didn't say it was going to happen. He said they were planning it. So when nothing happens, <laughs> he'll say, I didn't say anything was going to happen. I just said they were planning it. And then if something dis- does happen, he'll say, ha ha, I was right because they planned it and executed it. Yeah, it, it, this, is a, this is really crafty because... There's no way to pin on him that he's a false prophet. He wins if nothing happens. He wins if something happens. Yeah, quite the crafty fellow that he is. All right, time for a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. Let's do this. Watch this. Hallelujah. Get up right now.
Yeah, that's right. That's Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. That means uh, Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update. We're uh, heading to the the car. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those so-called prophecies that is occurring inside of uh, Jennifer Ivaz's car. And uh, in this Periscope update from her vehicle, we are going to hear about how God has given us a, a, a hair loss breakthrough, hair loss, not weight loss, hair loss breakthrough that we can apparently claim from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 18. Here's Jennifer Evaz to explain. Push into this topic. Um, first of all, I had written a blog called, you know, that said, Kim, physical ailments have spiritual roots. I hope you can look at that, jenniferevaz.com. And, um, you know, and it talks about, you know, an incident that I had involving my back and how the Lord showed to me from scripture that it wasn't just a back injury, that it was actually very rooted uh, in some things in my childhood. And he showed me how to walk that out. And I've been healed ever since. And so I have learned that uh, physical issues, more often than not, they have some sort of spiritual root, something that you need to be healed from inside, something that you have to disconnect, something you have to break off. You know, and that the Lord will give you keys. Now, I don't know why sometimes it takes so long. That's usually my frustration. But better late than never. That's what I. So in order to receive a healing, I got to break something off that the Lord is supposed to reveal to me. Which biblical text teaches this answer? There is no biblical text that teaches anything of the sort. She's going to find something in a biblical text that isn't there that nobody's ever seen before really until she discovered it um she'll claim that she's had some help in figuring this out but yeah this text can't be used in this way but let's let's continue to hear her out on this one we say and you know but god is good to show us the keys so we want to keep seeking him and sometimes things are a little bit enmeshed and entangled and just takes a while to unravel all of that um but the thing that that is happening now with the body of christ you know and that's why i wrote that book seeing the supernatural just to just to flow with what god is doing with the body of christ is he is releasing the gift of discerning of spirits on the body of christ like never be no <laughs> If uh, God were releasing discerning of spirits like you're claiming, people would immediately discern that you're a false teacher. Mm-hmm. Or, and that's so we can see in the dark so that we don't stay in the dark. And so what we're getting now um, is we're getting now what I call dimensionality. Okay. Mm, what she calls dimensionality. Yeah, I don't know where you can find dim- dimensionality in the scriptures. Uh, it's not there as a teaching. There are, you know, we're beginning to see things with dimension, Mm. um, not just from one or two angles, but from... Right, we're starting to see things with dimension, yeah. Mm -hmm. Any different angles, that there's many different possibilities to this one ailment or this one issue of bondage or this one uh, point of freedom that somebody needs. I'll give you an example. You know, again, going back to, you know, um, uh, if you have a a physical issue with your back, let's say suddenly you have pain in your back, real simple. Dimensional discerners know this, that it could be a physical issue. You know, you might have pulled your back exercising or you slept wrong or you sat wrong or something like that. It could be an attack of witchcraft literally against your back. Mm-hmm. Okay. It could be a word of knowledge for healing needed for somebody else. Mm. So if you're having pain in your back, you may be birthing a word of knowledge to help somebody else. 
says no biblical text anywhere in the scripture. It could be that the Lord is showing you through a physical sign that you're being stabbed in the back. It- mm. That's right. A co-worker stabbing you in the back, figuratively speaking. And, and God has caused you to have back pain so that you could be aware of it. Oh, man. Are, are, are you serious? This isn't Christianity. This isn't biblical discipleship. This is like old wives' tales. I mean, and so maybe the reason why you're having back pain is because you're a mom and your child stepped on a crack in the cement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That They could be that. Be that you're discerning that somebody else is being stabbed in the back, but you're feeling it within your own body. Mm-hmm. Dimensional discernment. Right. It- yeah. Dimensional discernment. Yeah. Woo. This takes discernment to a whole other dimension. Yeah, no, really, it doesn't. One of many angles, which means we have to be really close to the Holy Spirit so that you can, and and those who are really close to the... This is superstition. This is not biblical teaching. If this was biblical, she'd be opening up to a biblical text and showing us how God's Word teaches this. God's Word doesn't say any of this. The Spirit, you begin to see microscopically and actually bring really tremendous levels of freedom. And so that's why I want to get, I want you to get my book, Seeing the Supernatural. Oh, yeah. See, we got, we got to buy her book in order to figure this out. We can't find it in the Bible, but we can find it in her book, Seeing into the Supernatural. Right. You know, that'll, that'll give you some language and give you a road to walk out on. But that's really where it leads is you begin to realize that this might not be just the one thing I always thought it was. It could be something else. And the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal that to you. All right. So going back to hair loss, that's what this is all about. Right. Yeah. This, this whole periscope prophetic word releasing from her vehicle is about hair loss. I was ministering in a country over by Iran, yeah, and it was a Muslim country, um, very thick um, uh, atmosphere of, of, you know, the Muslim prayers and all of that. And it's a thick atmosphere. Yeah, I don't know what that means. That I could feel very strongly. I had to pray about three or four hours a day just to stay above it. I like to live in. Yeah, I seriously doubt that. Yeah, this sounds like a tall tale to me open heaven and that's really what it required of me while I was there um, and so you know it was a powerful time of ministry while we were there ministered to to the underground pastors there we ministered um, uh, to underground organizations you know a lot of stealth ministry that we were we we're just really showing up you know um, uh, people over in the capital area that country you know including some of the um, government people as well that were Christian and it was really powerful but one of the things that began to happen to me while I was there is I began to lose my hair now I have a lot of thick hair um you know this is, I don't struggle with hair loss I have plenty of hair but I was losing my hair in chunks and it was so strange yeah I mean what what could it possibly mean she was losing her hair in chunks you know I was really concerned I was going to get bald spots because it was so prevalent. And, you know, it was happening while I was on this trip. And then um, when I came home, probably within a few weeks, my hair returned back to normal. It wasn't an issue. Well, I just happened to have a few ladies from that country come visit me, um, I think within six months to a year after that trip. And um, they were here in Turlock, California for about a month. And we decided to all go to this conference together because I was speaking at this conference. So I brought them along with me. And as we sat in the car together. Now, notice, what is it that makes this teaching true? Answer, her personal experience. Not and not what God's word actually says in context. 
my hair began to fall out right as we were all together in the car. And so I thought, okay, this is spiritual. This isn't just, you know, something natural, something freaky, you know, it's spiritual. And that's what I want to point out to you that when I talk about these things, I'm not spooky, kooky, trying to. No, actually you are. You're really spooky, super kooky, and none of this is biblical or sound or anything even remotely approaching sound biblical doctrine and teaching weird weirdness you know uh, i'm just sharing the experience and and how it landed but remember um, we have to be close to the holy spirit and hear what he has to say about it not put formula on formulas on things so i yeah so she's a lot closer to the holy spirit than you are so this whole this whole interpretation she's run it by the holy spirit and has received his stamp of approval for this teaching uh huh. I asked the girl. I said, I said, um, I'm, I'm, my hair is falling out right now. Do you, do you deal with hair loss? I would like to know. Um, I said, because I had the same problem when I was in your country. And she said, yes, I deal with hair loss. I said, well, what do you do about that? She says, well, I stand on the scripture in Luke 21, verse 18, that says, not, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. I think that's very interesting that the Jesus would actually tuck in a promise in the Bible for hair loss. <laughs> No, Luke twenty one eighteen is not a promise about hair loss. Our three rules, just so you know, for sound biblical exegesis, they are context, context, and context. Let's take a look at the context of Luke 21, see if we can figure out what's going on. Has Jesus tucked in a promise regarding hair loss? Well, let's take a look. Luke 21, verse 10. So then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will lay their hands on you and they will persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by my by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a hair of your head will perish in the context of some of you will put be put to death. What does that mean? Don't worry. Christ has you. Your eternal reward is with him. He'll bring it back. He'll bring it with him when he returns. You will not be lost. You will not enter the flames of hell. And although you may die, you will not perish. Christ has you. That's what Jesus is referring to there in Luke 24. It, Luke 24, 18 is not a promise regarding hair loss. Jennifer Avaz is being utterly absurd here. And what she's saying is absurd on its face. This is not a woman who hears from the Holy Spirit. She is not teaching what God's Word says. She is making stuff up and teaching tall tales and deceiving people for her own gain. The hair of your head shall be lost. Okay, Luke twenty-one eighteen. And so I decided to read it in context. And if you read verse 17... Oh, yeah. So the context is going to help you here, Jennifer? I don't think so. 
says that you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And then you finish it out and it says, by your patience, possess your souls. So I begin to realize that there, there can be a connection between hatred and hair loss. That if you're in an environment of hatred, and if you'd actually been in this country, you could see like it's a very hateful, it's a very hateful environment. Everybody just hates each other, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, that's what it felt like with me. It's a very angry, rage-filled, hating country. Um, but uh, hated for hated by all for my, my name's sake, but not a hair on your head shall be lost by your patience, possess your soul. So we have to actually um, be able to possess our mind, our our heart, um, possess where our, our thoughts go and actually have a real peace, you know, in turn. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. And by patience, we got to possess our souls. And so, you know, we need to, uh, you know. This she doesn't she doesn't know how to exegete. This woman is not qualified to teach anybody in Christ's church. And by the way, scripture forbids women from being pastors. She claims to be one, which means she's in rebellion to Christ. From the Holy Spirit, and that seems to be a, a counter um, attack to the hatred that's coming at you. And also, you have to bless your enemies. You have to love your enemies, and so you have to constantly, you know, um, release that kind of prayer. And, and yeah, are you releasing that kind of prayer? You need to constantly be doing that. You know, possess your soul with with patience, and if you're going to keep your hair, you know, and so it's, yeah, if you're going to keep your hair, you got to. This woman is clueless, utterly clueless as to what God's word really means. Very interesting. Yet she claims to hear directly from God himself. To experience. And so I want to just draw that out for you, that possibly what you're dealing with, if you're dealing with hair loss, it's just not natural, um, that maybe the problem is you're dealing with hatred. and um, (sighs) Which is not (laughs) what the Gospel of Luke says at all. Unbelievable. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing about Brian Houston as well as hearing from uh, Peter Rollins. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Gibberish is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Non-fat decaf mocha with no whipped cream, two pumps of chocolate and diet soy milk for Tiffany. Oh, actually, it's just Tiff. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Tiff, then. Like, thank you so much. I've never made a drink quite like this before. I 
can't even imagine what you'd call it. My friends call it, like, the why bother, but it sure doesn't stop me from loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice talking with you. Adios. I am so sorry about that. Anyway, where was I? All right, so you won't believe what happened to me on Sunday. So, like, you know how I've been trying to learn more about Jesus and God and stuff? Well, ever since I got into it, my friend Brittany has been begging me to go to her church. It's that big building on Michigan Street. It's got, like, a stage and a praise band. I mean, it's got, like, a ton of people, so the pastor must be pretty cool, right? Well, the sermon starts. I've got my Bible, my notebook, my pocket catechism, and my flower pen. All ready to hear about God. And what does he talk about? A bird. This guy went on some 20-minute bunny trail about a bluebird that landed on his windowsill. And I'm just sitting there like, what about Jesus? I mean, they had just had a laser light show about how much they loved him. Um, Hold that thought. I have to use the little girl's room. I'll be back in a sec. So Jeff said, wrecked him. Wrecked him. You practically killed him. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry. I've accidentally dumped my white bother all over you. Your outfit is totally ruined. Here, let me use these only slightly absorbent napkins to wipe it up for you. All right. There. A little bit there. And uh, there. That seems to have gotten most, most of it. Here's my business card if the stains don't come out. I happen to own and run a dry cleaner's just down the road. Anyway, gotta run. Oh, I am so sorry. I've accidentally dumped my second wife father all over you. Why does this keep happening? Please take my card. As I was saying, I don't even think these people realize what Jesus did. Let me explain this to you. So... First of all, I'm like a sinner, and I need forgiveness, right? So God was like, I'm going to send my son. So Jesus came, and he got on the cross, and everybody's sins were forgiven, and we were all like, cool. So when I go to church, I want to hear about Jesus. But for some reason, these people don't even talk about Jesus. You know, if you think about it, the church is like totally God's house. So Jesus invited all of us to his forgiveness party, and we all shut up and said that we loved him, And then we completely ignore him. That is so rude. Not only is it rude to God, but it's a total ripoff for me. I want to hear about how my sins are forgiven. But instead, these people are like, let me tell you my life story. Um, excuse you? You think that your birds are more important than God? That is so rude. Honey, what happened to your shirt? This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, 
Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that God does not promise that you will not experience hair loss if you stand on Luke 21.18. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you pick. It is a monthly amount, and your rank in our crew is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron link there and fill that all out. And if you'd like to make a like old school contribution, the way you do that is by sending your gift to Fighting for the Faith, Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, time for a Hillsong update. Let's do this. Praise the Lord for all the cash I've got. Praising for my Rolls Royce and my yacht. Serving God ain't hard with a credit card. Jesus died so I could make a lot. Praise the Lord, He's made us millionaires. Wave your donations in the air. We've replaced our hymns with ATMs, and soon we'll charge a fee on every prayer. Jesus Christ was a poor man, don't you know? He should have used our accountants for his cash flow. Stop the sermon on the mount, he should have had a bank account. 
2,000 years with interest, he'd be rolling in the dough. Praise the Lord, this song's out on CD, just 40.95 plus GST. Hallelujah, plenty of moolah, solitaire baubles on my Christmas tree. I've got all of heaven's riches, thanks to all you stupid people. Praise the Lord for modern Christianity. said religion should be free yeah that's right praise the lord and pass the offering plate would you got a seed offering i need to sow into uh no i don't actually all right so uh we're heading over to hillsong church and we're going to be listening to a gal who is on their leadership team and we're going to listen to her her name by the way is jules a bell and she's in the middle of giving a lesson to the people there at Hillsong from the I Love the Church series. And in the midst of giving this teaching, Jules is going to, well, refer to Bobby and uh, <laughs> Brian Houston as, well, apostles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen as uh, Jules explains. Here we go. Jesus, he is the head of our church. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the head of the church. And we are the body of Christ. We are his body that has been empowered to speak, act, and to fill everything with his presence. If we are going to be a passionate church, an effective church, then we need to get a revelation that Jesus is the head. So if we're going to be effective, we need a revelation that Jesus is the head. Could I point out the obvious? Scripture actually says that, which means we Christians have a revelation from God that Jesus is the head of the church. Yeah. It's found in the Bible there, uh, so we have a revelation. We've got it. Thank you, Jules. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. We- a lot of times, though, it's the weirdest things. There are, there's this whole group of people who say it's all about Jesus and then talk a lot about themselves. Weird. I'm just saying. Gather together because of Jesus. And at the same time, he loses his effectiveness if we don't activate ourselves as the body. We are... What? Jesus loses his effectiveness if we don't activate ourselves as the body. No biblical text says that. Not even close to one. The body of Christ, which takes me to number two. Okay, number two. We become a passionate, effective church as we immerse ourselves as in and as the church. Isn't that good? I don't even know what you just said. We become a passionate, effective church as we immerse. Everyone say immerse. Immerse. Is that how you say it? We immerse ourselves in and as the church. Corinthians puts this beautifully. Corinthians 12. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. 
what translation are you reading? Because that sure doesn't sound like any translation that's a real translation. Oh, it's the message. Yeah, two uh, so-called translations to avoid like the plague. One is called the message. The other is called the passion. The message is just gobbledygook. And the passion is the NAR's so-called translation of the Bible. At least that's the translation that the NAR now is pointing their people to. You should not study God's Word at all from either of these so-called Bibles. It exists, but only as you accept your part does it then come into play. What are you talking about? That's not what 1 Corinthians 12 says at all. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, and those who pray in tongues. Isn't that a good one at the end? But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic unidimensional part. It's not all apostle. It's not all Brian Houston. It's not all Bobby Houston. Weird. Uh, Jules there seems to think that, you know, you come across the word apostle, and if you attend Hillsong Church, the person that should come to your mind, persons that should come to your mind are Brian and Bobby Houston. Yeah, nor, you know, what I think of apostle, you know, I think of Peter, James, John, Paul, you know, guys like that. Um, Okay. It's not all prophet. It's not all miracle worker. It's not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. Could you imagine if we were all just big prayers in tongues? Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the way, uh, that text goes on to say, if you read a real translation, that not all have the gift of tongues. Yeah, so uh, this is a woman whose theology is wackerdoodle, and uh, when the word apostle comes up in a biblical text, first person she thinks about are Brian and Bobby Houston. I wonder why that would be. I just, you know, huh, it's just weird dink, if you know what I mean. All right, moving along, it's time for an emergent church update, so let's do this. These are the sounds of the emergent postmodern Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Doug Paget. Today, special guest over there on the triangle is uh, Peter Rollins. Been a while since we've heard from him, but oh man, listen in with their avant-garde music here. This is their rendition of also Sprock Zarathustra. Uh, so not modern. Oh, just listen to the Spirit working through them as they give us their interpretation of this amazing classical piece of music. So cutting edge, so cutting edge. 
So uh, what do emergent folks do for Lent? That's a silly question, and there are a lot of people I, that just do all kinds of weird things for Lent, um, you know, giving up things and stuff like that. Well, uh, Peter Rollins of the Emergent Church Movement, he gives up uh, theism mm-hmm, for Lent and embraces uh, atheism for Lent. Yeah, it's probably best if I ex- let him explain, and uh, so we're going to be hearing two people talking. One of them is Peter Rollins, the other is the... Uh, the guy on the leadership team from Vinings Lake Church who's interviewing him. Let's get to the topic. Here we go. We do my life at all. So you only get it in Mableton. Hey, this is good. I'm impressed. I love it. Yeah. Now, if you don't know Pete Rollins, let me tell you a couple things. Uh, one, uh, from Belfast, Northern Ireland, now residing in Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, written a couple books, um, The Idolatry of God, Insurrection, The Divine Magician. Uh, one of my favorites, Orthodox Heretic, which is a great title. I love that, uh, which you are a heretic, so it's great. Um, yeah, he, he is a heretic. That is true. The Fidelity of Betrayal, and then uh, how— Notice how he plays with opposites. That's a very postmodern thing to do. To speak of God. Yep. Uh, a couple things that uh, Pete does that I want to— and we'll probably flip around on the back end and we'll talk about how to engage with his work. But, um, you do, you have coming up atheism for Lent. Yeah. Um, tell our people a little bit about what that is. Atheism for Lent. Yes. So here's the idea. Scripture actually clearly says it's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Christianity is belief and faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins which basically says that Jesus is none other than God in human flesh. Atheists are the opposites of Christians, for sure. Uh, And atheism is absolutely incompatible with Christianity. And what it is that uh, Rollins is promoting here is, well, in reality, philosophy. That's really what he traffics in. He is a philosopher. Well, you know, Lent is a time where you give stuff up. So, you know, chocolate or tiddlywinks or whatever. And I'm thinking like... No, actually, if you know your church history, Lenten, the Lenten tide, the Lenten season, was a time when the church engaged in collective fasting and praying. It's not about giving things up. It's about fasting and examining your life in light of the commandments. Yeah, you get the idea. Well, what <laughs> if... You give up God for Lent. Now, it sounds weird at first. Yeah, because it is weird. But, um, there was a, a philosopher called um, Westphal who wrote a book called Suspicion and Faith. And uh, the subtitle was Atheism for Lent. Mm-hmm. Now, notice what he said. A philosopher. Scripture, uh, Colossians chapter 2 <clears throat> verse 6 is we'll we'll get our context therefore as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ So we have a warning against philosophers, and generally philosophy oftentimes finds itself at odds with uh, Christianity, and philosophers in particular seem to uh, have an axe to grind against Christianity. And so here we have Peter Rollins in an emergent quote-unquote church promoting atheism for Lent. Why? Because philosophy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
he looked at how some of the greatest critiques of religion and some of the greatest critiques of God are actually something that, not that we should be afraid of, but have incredibly insightful things to say, <clears throat> that these critiques are actually um, closer to um, uh, theology than we think. Because we often think that atheism and theism are enemies, right? That's the way it's presented. You know, you have one person on this side of the, the platform who's arguing for God and mm -hmm. someone on this side of the platform who's arguing against God. And, um, you know, they battle it out. But actually the truth is that they are lovers. And they have been lovers for thousands of years. They are in this passionate embrace. And whenever... Really, atheists and Christians are in reality lovers who are experiencing a passionate embrace. This is nonsense. This is utter gobbledygook. Separated. They both become one-dimensional and, and kind of like uh, pretty rubbish. But when they're together in an argument, it's passionate, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And so atheism for Lent is a time where we let these critiques, um, we, we don't judge them, but we let them judge us. Mm. We try to look at these critiques of religion and Christianity in order to see if they can burn up some of the idolatrous notions that we might carry, and ultimately discover how these two are interwoven. I mean, the mystics, take Meister Eckhart. Meister Eckhart's one of the great mystics, great German mystics. He wrote, may God rid you of God. Ah, yes. It's a beautiful phrase. Yes. May God rid you of God. Yes. Because every time you say the word God... So Meister Eckhart, another philosopher, his big whoo, moment is... May God rid you of God. This is utter nonsense. None of this is even remotely compatible or sounds anything like what Scripture reveals regarding God, his character, and what he would have you believe, teach, and confess. Peter Rollins just likes hearing his philosophical mouth running. You're saying something less than God. You're, you know, just like people's dogs look like their owners. You know, if you want to know what a person's like, look at their dog. It tells you, you know, you know so, what so they're you can, like. So you can judge a person on their dog. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can judge their ideal, yes. what they think of themselves. Is it a cute little thing? Is it a big butch dog? Is it whatever? It tells you a lot about the owner. In many ways, our gods tell us a lot about ourselves because mm. you know, we, we project out. We, God is just a bigger, better version of ourselves. Mm. It's like if you've seen this, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer is praying. Yeah, if that's the case, then your God is an idol made in your image and you need to repent because you're breaking the first commandment. <sighs> this is just ah, mind-bogglingly bad for the first time. He's about to go over a waterfall and he says, I don't know if you exist. I don't know if you're out there. I don't know if you can hear me. And I don't know if what they say about you is true. But Superman, if you're there, please give me, right? Um, <laughs> that's, that's often, you know, what our notion of God can be. It's a Superman, a yeah. bigger version of ourselves. And, um, and so, why was I talking about this? We're talking about atheism for Lent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, the reason you're talking about Superman is because of atheism for Lent. Oh, yeah. You just started preaching. I you know. Just... Well, there you go. Meister Eckhart. I get lost every now and again, which means you have to stay awake because every now and again, what am I saying? And then you yes. have to help me. Yes. So, Meister Eckhart. So he... Meister Eckhart, who is not a Christian and he's not one of the apostles. And every time you say, you know, the word God, God yeah. you're saying less than God. 
So, mm. oh wow! <laughs> Consider my mind blown. You know that Master Eckhart thing. Theism, which is a claim, has to be connected to atheism, which is a rejection of the claim. Oh. And the Christian then is the one who exists in the. So, by the way, this kind of all then depends on what is called the Hegelian dialectic, which is a major part of so many of the world's bad ideologies. A Hegelian dialectic believes that truth kind of exists in the synthetic uh, idea of thesis and antithesis, and somehow the dance between the two will ultimately result in a synthesis of the thesis and antithesis, and that new thesis that emerges from the synthesis will then automatically create for it a new antithesis. Yeah, Rollins is one of these guys who clearly finds some credibility to the Hegelian dialectic, which, by the way, is uh, part of the uh, irrational philosophy behind fascism as well as uh, Bolshevik communism. You know, just saying. Base between the affirmation and the negation, between atheism and theism, naming, but also remembering to dename. Actually, denomination is a good word. Denomination, because to denominate means to dename. So to nominate means to name, and to denominate means to unname. So in a sense, the Christian is the one who names and unnames at the same time. That's why. Notice no Bible is opened here. What we're hearing is just him pontificating philosophically. The way churches are called denominations. Mm -hmm. They're a reminder to unname our understanding of the absolute mm. to remind to kind of bring a bit of humility into things totally so we had to- <laughs> the pastor there whoa whoo oh this is so great he's not saying anything he's he may as well be saying blue sleeps faster than tuesday yeah for lent's all about that so every day of lent you get a reflection or a a reading or a podcast that, that explores this so that whenever you come to that beautiful cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is at the end of Lent. Uh, that's the dereliction of the cross. That's Jesus, literally. You know, while he's suffering, bleeding, and dying, God has made him the sinner. God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yeah, that all has to do with penal substitution. Just saying really experience what that means because you've entered into that space of unknowing and, mm-hmm. and right so yeah by embracing atheism for lynch you can enter into the space of unknowing and really relate to jesus when he says my god my god why have you forsaken what a load of total mm-hmm, bovine scatology this is a hot mess of shmita this is nonsense mm-hmm and that, that was one question. That's so uh, fantastic. That wasn't a question. Uh, no, there was nothing fantastic about that. There was nothing biblical about it. There wasn't even any truth in it. Beginning Which, by of... the way, is why we named this series yeah. Unnaming God. That's yeah. cool. Uh, talk to me. But, but I want to talk about God, so we're going to go hey, by there. Way, this is where we are. This is the space. See, the between the naming and the unnaming. Yes. Yeah, he's pointing to the uh, infographic that came up for the sermon series there. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine literally waking up on a Sunday morning, going to church to hear this, and scratching your head going, I must not have woken up. This is a dream, right? Okay. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't even got there. You're just way ahead of the game. You need to settle down a little okay. bit. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I get excited. Okay. And I tell, we got to tell our people about this, too. But you do uh, – you do – uh, tell him about the evangelism project. Oh, this yeah. is, guys. Yeah. I- right. He, he's into evangelism. I don't think so. 
when I first heard this idea, I was like, good Lord, uh, tell, tell our people, it's like reverse evangelism yeah. in some way. And I don't even like a reverse evangelism would be taking Christians and then turning them into pagans. What I mean, talk about strong delusion here. Word evangelism, like it's such a weird word. I grew up in like a fundamentalist background, but uh, explain to our people what the evangelism project is. But I mean, I'm a big fan of evangelism, and I'll talk about why in a second. But uh, in in Belfast, where I'm from, we developed a set of what we call decentering practices. And decentering practices, I guess it's not evangelism; it's devangelism. Designed to decenter you. Uh, you've heard of centering practices, obviously, and, and they're very important, very beautiful. But decentering practices are very beautiful and important as well. Uh, decentering practices. Yeah, how many of these did Jesus teach? A lot of the greatest developments in society come from us being decentered. You know, you think of uh, uh, Copernicus, Copernican, the Copernicus Revolution. Think about um, uh, Freud and the unconscious, things that decenter us. Mm-hmm. Notice he has yet to actually quote a biblical prophet, a biblical apostle. We're just getting rank philosophy here. This is why scripture warns us against these things. So atheism for Lent is a decentering practice. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it'll turn you into a pagan, lickety split. Designed to expose you to. Um, something that's outside of your own position in a way that might help you, you know, rethink. But another decentering practice is called the evangelism project, where we go to communities to be evangelized. And so what we do is say, you say you go to the Islamic community or the humanist society or whatever it is. So you go to a Muslim mosque to be evangelized by Muslims as part of the devangelism process because you're supposed to be decentered. Good grief. Talk about the blind leading the blind. And we sit with that community and we listen to what they believe and what they do. But that, that's not where the evangelism happens. Now, it might. Somebody might listen to another perspective and go, my goodness, I really want to you know, jump into that. That rarely happens. And actually, it's, it's a bit problematic if it is. Have you ever met someone who they move from one worldview to another, but the way they hold the worldview is the same? So mm-hmm. at the level of what mm-hmm. they believe, it's different. Yes. But at the level of how they believe, yes. it's exactly the same. Yes. I'm going to add to that because I came from a fundamentalist background, and I even saw my own life. The fundamentalism was still there. It just shifted to another side. Yes. It's yes. amazing. Whereas Kierkegaard, he talks about how... Kierkegaard. Yeah. Oh, wow. <sighs> Lots of irrational philosophers running around in this guy's head. Revolution is not changing what you believe, but how you believe what you believe. How does your belief function? So anyway, you go to a community, you listen to what they say, but then you ask, what do I look like to you? And that's where the evangelism happens, because you see yourself through the other's eyes, and you come to see things in yourself that you might not have seen before. Mm. And so you're evangelized because in a sense, you're the instrument of my further conversion. In order to see myself, I need your eyes. I can't see things in myself. Mm-hmm. Whenever- so in order for me to really grow in my Christianity, I need to be evangelized by a Muslim, a Buddhist, a humanist, uh, you know, whatever. 
Unbelievable. Folks, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, uh, Peter Rollins is one of these guys whose uh, best way I could describe it is is that he's one of the last holdouts of what used to be known as the emergent church movement. And um, you're seeing exactly why that whole thing imploded, exploded, disappeared, because it really has nothing, I mean, nothing to offer you by way of Christian discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And you'll note that nowhere in Scripture does Jesus tell you to embrace atheism for Lent or to be evangelized by pagans and idolaters and people like that for the furtherance of your more conversion thingy. (laughs) No, you know, our faith is in Christ. What we need is found in Scripture. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, yeah, I think you get the idea. This is just... Well, rubbish. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back, a Phil Pringle sermon, twisting of the book of Joshua, similar to what we heard. Seems like everyone's doing it doing it this way. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hi, Rich Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... <laughs> You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich! And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Reformanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Reformanda and join the fight for the faith today. Number two of Fighting for the Faith. Heading to C3 Church, San Diego, where the vision casting leader of the C3 movement, Phil Pringle himself, recently appeared 
trying to see if he can convince some people to show up to his presence conference coming up and sell some books. Yeah, he was doing that too. Let's do this right, though. Hey, ho! They got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via C3 Church, San Diego. Phil Pringle, presiding name of the message, is The Blessing. And I assure you, it won't be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're going to pay attention to how he's going to allegorize the crossing of the Jordan and turn it into something that it's not. From the book of Joshua, we've heard a similar twisting of this text recently. Fascinating to me that we're hearing a lot of people doing this at the same time. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Phil Pringle. And the blessing. Here we go. What? Now, now I know that, that, that all of you want to come to Australia because you're Americans. It's like... Every- now, so the opening part of his sermon is him shilling for his products and the Presence Conference. And I mean, oh, I so want to come down to Australia, but it's so long. It's like, it's just one sleep. It's just one sleep on a very uncomfortable seat on a plane. And you'll be there. Well, I'm going to get underway here. I'll look, look, just, just to let you know about these books. Leadership Files, little maxims for your mind to keep it good. Yeah, there he is. He's literally selling product from the plexiglass pulpit thingy. Yeah. Uh, you, you know you're in for trouble when uh, the purpose of the sermon is to sell merchandise. That's a bad sign. Really bad sign. That's totally inappropriate. Nobody should do that. And things like, uh, well, that just help you in life, especially if you're, that's volume one and volume two. Wow, I didn't know it. Look how young I look there. Wow. Doesn't even look like me. Who are you? All right. This is for a, this is a leadership excellence. This book, you have to get this. If you haven't read it, you need it because they're not letting people into heaven without this right now. It's, uh, it's a, it's a little problem. You, you want to get faith? Okay. Financial excellence. Everybody wants to know how to actually get more and use more and be blessed. So that will help you. You, the leader, very basic leadership. All you brand new interns, 74 of you, just, you'll be studying this this year. But if you haven't, this is very basic leadership. This will help you in all kinds of things. If, if, if you don't need know how to lead a, a silent prayer meeting, this will help you. And uh, lead a dog across a road, that will help you. Basic leadership, how to get along with people. Ancient Chinese wisdom in there. Man without smiling face should not open shop. That's a message for pastors. Yeah, amen. Pastor without smiling face should not plant campus. How about Lisa's smiles? He doesn't- I think they use the uh, bullpen there. A bullpen, by the way, if you're not familiar, uh, these are volunteers from the church whose whole job is to go, whoa, oh, and applaud and clap, you know, when points are made. Yeah. And, uh-huh. I'm smiling. Yeah, that's a form of manipulation, by the way. What? You know why? Because she cleans people's teeth. Uh, yeah, and so you meet her and you go like, hi, how are you? Yeah, I was like, 
You feel all self-conscious, like she's looking at my teeth right now. All those East Campus people, when I looked out there, I just saw perfect teeth everywhere. Fantastic. Well, Drew and Emma, Pastor Drew and Emma, so good to have you too. Yeah, wherever you are. Where's the camera? Yeah, up there. Right. Yeah. Oh, there you are in the dark. So nice to see you. South Campus, we love you. What? What? You're going to love this message too. And I'm going to get underway. Thanks, guys. You're handsome. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. But that's enough. Okay. Thank you. Incredible. All right. Time for the manipulative music to stop. That's He was talking to the musicians. But we got, we got you know, a sermon now ahead of us. He's got to open up God's Word and, you know, teach us for what God has revealed in the written Word for us. So uh, it's the beginning of the year, is it not? And, uh, and we're going to reset, right? That's the, that's the theme you're, you're fixing to share over this month, and it's such a good theme. Such a good theme. So the theme is reset. Booting, re- resetting. I mean, my Lord, how, how, how tempting it is when you see that little, do you want to upgrade your whole system? And, and, and you, all you got to do is go down the page and press, I agree. Right? So, so if you got glitches in your operating system, there's a download to fix it. There's a bug fix for you. Yeah. Where in scripture is this analogy used or can we find, you know, the Christian sanctification is about downloading a, a, a bug fix from God? Yeah. No text says that. Glitches. Because that hacker got in there, right? Put fear where there was meant to be faith. And, you, and now you, we're walking around like Adam. There he was. Perfect. And the hacker got in there, and now he's got glitches. He's got little glitches in him. Yeah, sin is a little bit more than a glitch. And, and, and we just don't function properly. I need an upgrade. I need an update. I need a whole reboot. So the beginning of 218, that's what we're doing. Not only operating system, but all your apps as well. Amen. The whole lot. All your gifts, all your talents, all your capacities, all your abilities. They're all getting upgrades. If you will just wait on the Lord, you'll get a download. And you're just downloading now. If I wait on the Lord, I'll get a download. Do you have a biblical text that says that? Because you're making these assertions and you're making promises for God that I've never seen God actually make for himself in the written word of God. Downloading now, downloading now. It takes about an hour and a quarter in a church service while you sit in there and you're just waiting on God and here I come. So we're going to go into 2018 with blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. Yeah, well, that's what God, that's how God touches people's lives that he wants to help. And so Ephesians 1, 3, I want you to come there and this is about resetting our lives to get our, our mindset correct as to how we get into this blessing. So there's a, there's a kind of a theological stuff uh, teaching in here as well. I want you to really grab it and think hard, lean in. And uh, the more amens you give me, the shorter the sermon is. So uh, let's, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He just walked away from the, the podium like, whoa, oh, drop the mic, man. Whoa, man, my mind is blown. Yeah, this is theatrics here. Did that say who will bless us? 
you, you do understand that when I'm going to read out the context here, the fuller context, the Apostle Paul is going to explain to us in which, in which way he has already blessed us. Did that say who is blessing us? Has. Important little point. Has blessed us with every, 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 no one left out, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, so he chose us right from the foundation of the world. That's the call. And the call is the meaning of your life. Oh, what? Your life doesn't have meaning unless you understand that call and then you start to do the call. You got to know the call and do the call. The text doesn't say that. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word, word there is translated from a Greek word, logos. That was not used by the Christians until John got a hold of it. It was used by the, a group called the Stoics. They were philosophers and heavy thinkers. And Marcus Aurelius, he was one of those kind of people. His thinking is still read today. Great philosophy. But the, that word... Uh-huh. You, you know that Marcus Aurelius is like hundreds of years after <laughs> Jesus walked the earth. You are aware of that. Marcus Aurelius, the emperor, long after John wrote his gospel... Yeah, it's just true. Look it up on a timeline. He's after the Apostle John. It was generally used when they wanted to say something like meaning or reason. So it could read, in the beginning, was the meaning. No. No, no, no. See, beware of philosophy, folks. Beware of philosophy. Colossians has already made that clear to us. Let's take a look at the blessing that um, <clears throat> that God has given us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, we'll apply our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now this is still part of his, the opening to his letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You'll note that uh, Paul talks about our blessing in Christ as being declared righteous by grace through faith. We are holy in his sight because of the fact that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. You'll note that when you read out Ephesians 1 in context, the blessing is the reconciliation with God, the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Christ, and the reuniting of God with his creation. Those are the blessings that Paul is talking about, but oddly enough, 
Those are not the blessings that Phil Pringle is talking about. He's now making up his own semantical meanings for the word logos and somehow making it a cross-reference to the Ephesians text that he read out. And, um, yeah, it's just a mess. We continue. And the meaning was with God, and the meaning was God. Or in the beginning was the reason, and the reason was... Yeah, no, um, the reason... Notice that this is a text, John 1, 1 points us to Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Uh, it has its antecedents in the Hebrew Scriptures. Mm-hmm. Man, this is a mess. God. And the reason was with God. So, so when we discover Jesus, we're on the pathway to discovering meaningfulness. Now, the now it is absolutely true that our lives find meaning in Christ, and that our lives are meaningless apart from being united to Christ, reconciled, forgiven. You know, you think of the book of Ecclesiastes. By the way, if uh, you're a fairly recent uh, listener to Fighting for the Faith. Listening to the uh, series that uh, Pastor Jeremy Rohde did on the book of Ecclesiastes, look it up in our archives. Well worth the listen. Far different than what we're getting here. The problem is that most people don't have meaningfulness in their life. They think that they're only going to get it as they accumulate more stuff for them. If I could just get that... I'll be more, I'll have more meaning in my life, but... Now, there are some people who live their lives in this way. This is true. It's a form of idolatry, and if you're going to really preach it right, you're going to have to preach it as idolatry, call them to repent, and to be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ. The, the vacuum in most people's soul is because they lack meaningfulness. They don't have a reason, just as he chose it. The reason that we are here is not for us. And... For some very sad reason, a lot, of, a lot of preaching is consumeristic Christianity. It's about what I can... Yeah, ironically spoken. I would say this is quite consumeristic on his part. He's really scratching itching ears here. From God for me. You're here to get your destiny. And what is that? Your destiny is to help someone else. When the meaning... When oh, the yes. So it's still about you receiving your destiny. But you've got to understand, you've got to hear it right. It's, your destiny is for somebody else. Yeah, no, God has not created you for a dream destiny thingy. And when you read out Ephesians chapter 2, you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not a destiny, but good works, plural. And the Logos came to earth. He said, I've not come for me. I've come for you. I didn't come to get served. I came to serve. That's when you start doing that, that you discover meaningfulness in your life. However, you are not going to be able to do anything for anybody unless you yourself have blessing in your world. You can't bless anybody else if you're not blessed. Uh -huh. So you can't bless unless you're blessed, which is now the new philanthropic motivated uh, you know, prosperity heresy. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't want prosperity just to be rich. No, 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 no. I want prosperity so that I can bless other people. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we've now got a, a philanthropically motivated uh, prosperity heresy coming from Phil Pringle here. So that's what Paul is trying to get us into in this. In this. No, he's not, because I just read out the rest of that portion of Ephesians 1. It has nothing to do with what you're talking about. Very general letter to the Ephesians. It was actually a letter to all the churches in, the, in, in Asia. A lot of Paul's letters were to individuals. 
or to particular churches. This one was to all the churches. We got the one that landed up in Ephesus. But the same teaching went to all of these people. So this letter applies to us in the New Testament probably more than just about any other letter. So you and I here, as we look at Ephesians, he says, he has blessed us. Let me just talk about blessing for a second. When God blesses you, no one can curse you. What God has blessed cannot be cursed. Balaam was a false prophet in the Old Testament and he was hired by a king called Balak to prophesy cursing over the people of God. So he went to say, I bless you. He couldn't get the word out. What God has blessed cannot be cursed. In the Old Testament, there was a book of impossible rules. Nobody could keep them. But if you could, you got blessed. That was the only way you could get blessed, if you kept the rules. And the only way that that you could get out of the fix when you broke the rules was to sacrifice animals. So then you'd get accepted, your sins would be covered, and the blessing would somehow stay there. But in the New Testament, it's not about keeping a set of impossible rules. It's simply about having Christ in your life. So if you're in Christ, you're in blessing. Now here's the problem. Most people would say, (laughs) yeah, right. You, You don't know my life. It doesn't look like I'm blessed right now. So that's what we're talking about here tonight. Because this is saying he has blessed me. He has blessed me. We need to reset our thinking right here. Now, if you go go through most scholars and and, uh, students of the Bible, they will compare Ephesians to the book of Joshua. Like they'll compare the book of Proverbs. uh, Could you name for me the biblical scholars who compare Ephesians to the book of Joshua? I'd like to see those commentaries and that biblical scholarship. I have yet to run into it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's just I read a lot as far as biblical commentaries and biblical scholarship, and I haven't run into anyone who compares the two. Could you name a few for us, please, Phil? The book of James is like the New Testament book of Proverbs, and Ephesians is the New Testament book of Joshua. That's because Joshua looked across Jordan, and as he looked across, God said, See, I have given you the land. See, I have given you the land. Because that's what he is saying here. Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us. You're on the other. No, 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 no. Calling a flag on the play. Yeah, this shows that uh, Phil Pringle's making stuff up here. Yeah. Ephesians has nothing to do with the book of Joshua. And if you want to know what the promised land is, you read Hebrews 11, which makes it very clear that uh, that the promised land of the Old Testament is type and shadow that finds its fulfillment in eternal life. New heavens, new earth. Yeah, <laughs> this guy is just making stuff up. Side of Jordan, and he said, you have been blessed. He's at the end of time. But you're at the, this point in your time, you're looking forward, but God's looking backward on your future. At the end of time, and he's saying, hey, I have blessed you. If you keep walking this path. Yet, no, the rest of Ephesians makes it clear that blessing is the reconciliation and forgiveness of our sins because of Christ. And your blessing are going to collide. You're going to write find yourself in a collision and there's another one and there's another one and there's another one blessing has been planned for your life 
That's not what Ephesians says. So you note, he's now full-on scratching, itching ears, which is the very thing that Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 warns us about. Uh, you know, basically, they're not enduring sound doctrine, so he's totally scratching their itching ears. Second uh, Timothy 4, 1 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom and kingdom to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching or doctrine, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, which is what Phil Pringle is, and they will turn away from listening to the truth, because he ain't preaching the truth, and they'll wander off in the myths, because that's exactly what he's preaching. Myths. This is mythological nonsense here. Blessing has been planned for your life. So you got to believe now that you have been blessed, just like Joshua had to believe that he had actually taken the land. So let's go to Joshua. And this is a rather lengthy piece of scripture, so I'm going to read it pretty quick. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come, listen to what the Lord is your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergeshites, Amorites, Jebusites, and Mosquito Bites ahead of you. <laughs> Doesn't say that in your Bible? Okay. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth. So if he touched the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left the camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was... Notice, he's speed-reading the biblical text. He's not actually exegeting it. He's speed-reading it. He's got to get it out of the way. He's got more important things to do than actually read out what the text says. So we've got to get this out of the way. So I'm just going to just barrel through this at Mach 4. ...flowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance. Now, note what he just said. He's reading it quickly, but um, the text he just read says the feet of the priest, when it touched the Jordan, that the Jordan, that the waters stopped. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, it's Joshua chapter 3. We'll start at verse 7, and we're going to read this at a reasonable pace. Here's what the text says. Yahweh said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words Yahweh of Yahweh your God. Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you and into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. So when the people set out, from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. 
And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Notice, soon as their feet dipped the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Mm -hmm. Straight up, something super simple. The text doesn't say they went into the middle of it. And by the way, this is type and shadow of our promised land, which is the new heavens, new earth, and eternal life. Again, read Hebrews chapter 11, if you're confused or not aware of this concept, we're not going to read it out in the sermon review. I've read it out many other times in the past. But we continue. He had a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. <sighs> this, is, this is astonishing. This whole, this whole, this whole bed is astonishing because that river Jordan, it floods like this for about three to four weeks. That's it. This is what it looks like when it's flooding. All right. He's got a video, but he's waiting for the video to show up on the big ginormous background screen. Hasn't shown up yet. Technical problems. We good or not? I can just keep on preaching. Oh, there it is. So there's the Jordan River in flood stage. So normally it's a little stream, like 12 to 15 feet wide, gently trickling down. But at this time of year, it's a raging river. And God says, now's the time to cross. How inconvenient is the Lord? Yeah, but the text said that as soon as their feet dipped into the water. Yeah, it, the water stood up. Yes, yeah. As scary as that looked, all their feet had to do was touch the waters of the Jordan. That's what the text says. What? Why now? Why couldn't you have done that just two weeks earlier? Or in a couple of weeks' time. But now? Why do it now? It's If you're waiting for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. If you're waiting until everything's just right for you to step out and start moving into 2018, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, this text doesn't have anything to do with stepping out in 2018. Not at all. Totally twisting this text. It's going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. God is just inappropriate and inconvenient, I tell you. It's like now and not upriver, not downriver, but right here across in front of our biggest fear, Jericho. Right in front of Jericho, three million people. You want me to step into this raging river now while its banks overflowing 
right in front of Jericho. All the beasts come up out of the banks. The snakes come out of their holes. It's dangerous. It's heavy duty. But it's now. That is your time. Now, Joshua had remembered another time when this has happened 40 years before. And this puts the fear of God in me. Because they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. They'd come out of Egypt. They went through a wilderness. And they were meant to go into the land. It was meant to take three days. Between there and there. And boom, in we go. Well, there's always a wilderness in your world between coming out of something and going into your next thing. Like while you're letting go and getting disentangled. and there, There's always a wilderness when you're coming out of one thing and, and going into another. What are you talking about? And I'm messed up and you start to turn around. There's a, there's, there can even be an emotional wilderness. Or a relational wilderness. <laughs> Folks, are you suffering from an emotional or relational wilderness? Yeah, that means you're traveling from one thing to the other. This is not a biblical teaching. This is utter nonsense. You got out of a mess in your marriage, but all the love hasn't come back yet. It's just a bit numb, a bit raw. You know, like, are we going to make it? Keep walking. Keep walking. You'll get there. The feelings will come back. Eventually, you'll come up to your Jordan. You come up to your Jordan, and, and then it's, it's just not convenient. But now... Now Eventually, you'll come to your Jordan, and it'll be in flood stage when it happens, you know. <laughs> this is just absurd. Promised land, and he has blessed you with it, but it's going to take a step of faith for you to take it, to get out of your slavery. And, and you know, sometimes there's a hankering just to stay in the wilderness because that's become your new normal. It used to be slavery, and I, I even wanted to go back there sometimes, but oh no, no, I just going round and round in circles on the same thing, you know, like second, third, fourth marriage, businesses failing, houses falling over, relationships, employees, and whatever. I've been here before, I've been here before, I've been here before. What am I doing going round and round? I've been doing this for 40 years, for goodness sake. The only thing that's stopping me... This is utter nonsense. This is, a, this is an eisegesis. He's reading something in, and he, the way he's arrived at this is by totally allegorizing the text and ignoring how Scripture itself interprets these particular type and shadow elements. Uh-huh. ...and taken my promised land is that River Jordan. So what's your Jordan? What is your Jordan? Uh, what's your Jordan... This is absurdity. That is keeping you from stepping over there and buying that house. Is it, you're thinking, the mortgage is too big. It's like the walls of Jericho. You're thinking, the river, the, 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 the river's too strong. The forces against me are going to wash me sideways. I got, I, whatever, I, I, I don't know if I can take that step. I need courage. I need God, but do it afraid. There comes a point where you... You've got to move and get some traction and get unstuck because you've been stuck in that wilderness. For you got to get unstuck and get some traction, you know. Yeah, right. Like I said, total nonsense. Long. It's time for you to take a step into your future. You've got a brilliant opportunity to be a blessing. Yeah, this, again, has nothing to do with stepping into your opportunity for blessing in the future of 2018. Just utter 
ear-tickling, scratching nonsense. Find your meaning in life, but it isn't just going to fall on you. You got to step into that river. So, so they step into the river. They step in there. Pastor Drew, they step into the river. That river, it said, stopped. But let me tell you where it stopped. It didn't stop there. It stopped 30 miles up. It stopped as soon as they dipped their feet in the water, the text says. Town called Adam, which is never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. And it's next to a place called Zaratan. Zaratan means distress. Adam and distress go together. This river flows all the way down to the Dead Sea, 1,600 feet below sea level. Nothing grows there. It's dead. It's called the Arabah, which means sterility, fruitlessness, meaninglessness. The river of life from Adam flows down to death. That's all it's doing. And that's why it stops. There are other cities up the river. It could have stopped at any of them, but it stops at a place called Adam. Because all the glitches that were in Adam's code from the day that hacker got in have been coming down through your generations. And you might like to blame your father and he might like to blame his father and that father might like to blame. But let me tell you, it all goes back to a couple in the garden who disobeyed God and they got a glitch in the system. And now you are here to reset the system to get a reboot, to get a download, to get an upgrade, to get your utter nonsense. To get a reboot and upgrade and a download has nothing to do with what's going on in Joshua chapter 3. He's literally making stuff up, scratching itching ears, and creating an expectation that God's going to do something for him that he hasn't promised to do. All of this because he's mangled this text. Whole operating system rebooted, recalibrated, and renewed. So, so, so we're coming down from Adam... But while you're standing in the river, it doesn't look like anything has happened. Right? The river's still storming. It's 30 miles away. It's going to take a couple of hours for that river to come all the way down before you feel that it stopped. When you take a step of faith, it doesn't look like anything happened right then. Come on, you microwave head generation. You, you, just don't, you just don't put something in a, in a microwave. God, I pray that this will happen. Ding, there it happened. Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? That's not how it happens. Still takes nine months for a baby to form inside a mother's womb. God hasn't figured out. Nobody can figure out a microwave for that one. Ding, there's our baby. Yeah, right. You haven't figured out how to grow a tree quicker than 20 years. God is slow. Yeah, they definitely employ a bullpen there at C3 San Diego. He's spewing stuff that is as, is as absurd as the nonsense that we heard from Peter Rawlins. And they're all, oh, whoa, that's the best thing. Ah, this is so good. No, no, this is just gobbledygook. Get with the program. He is manipulating them and literally playing them like a fiddle. And I guess they like it that way. And so you're standing there 
You're standing there. You're standing there. And it says, the priests stood firm. I love it. They stood firm in that raging water. Joshua says, hold. You, You missed the part because you read it so fast about how as soon as their feet dipped into the Jordan, the the Jordan dried up. Yeah, immediately. Hold. Just because the river hasn't stopped, doesn't... It stopped as soon as they dipped their feet in the water. You read it, but you read it at Mach 4. It hasn't stopped. Just because you're not standing on dry land doesn't mean a miracle hasn't happened. 30, 30 miles... Utter, complete nonsense. Stream, 30 miles upstream, the life of Adam has been cut off. Boom, and finally it passed by, and they were standing on dry ground, ready to walk over and take their promised land. You see, 40 years before, God had said, go in today. Now's your time. C3 San Diego, now's your time. Uh, again, this text has nothing to do with what's going on about now being the time at C3 San Diego so that you can receive a, a, a upgrade via download. 40 years before, Moses sent out 12 spies. Bad idea. Joshua got smart. He sent out two. Less opportunity for failure with just two. 12. 10 came back, said, we can't do it. The whole congregation says, oh, let's... Yeah, they didn't trust God when you read the account in Numbers, what, 13 and 12? Yeah, it explains it quite clearly. Just go back into the wilderness. Joshua, he said, no, we can do it. Caleb said, we can do it. He was a faith man. Actually, they said, God is with us. He, we can do it. You got to remember, they believed that God was going to follow through on the promises that he had made to them. And that confidence is what God blesses. Those other 10 guys dropped dead on the spot. That's spooky. The people got a little nervous and they thought, ooh, maybe we should go across Jordan. So in the morning. So notice again, he's not actually reading out anything from the book of Numbers here. He's just giving us his synopsis, which is omitting important and vital information. Said, okay, okay, what were we thinking? Idiots. Let's go. Let's take the land. Moses said, no, 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 that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Today's wandering in the wilderness. An opportunity comes. Don't think they're going to keep on coming every day of your life. Salvation is right now. It's here. Don't be saying, oh, one day I'll give it a shot, you know. My mother's been praying for me, yeah, you know, maybe. I can't guarantee anything about your life. But I can guarantee this right now that here tonight you can get a totally new operating system downloaded into your world. Really, how are you making that guarantee based on what text? It's not there in Joshua 3. Weird. By saying, I agree. I consent. Yes, I'll have the upgrade. All I have to do is agree and consent and then God will download the upgrade into me. Nope. No text says it. I'll have the reset. So they wandered for 40 years because of one day missing that point. And I know that there are people in here regretting and they got remorse about decisions you made 40 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Some of you regret getting married to that person. 
But it isn't the marriage. It's, it's how your operating system is going. You're saying like, but I'm not sure if he's the one. Or, or if she's the one. There's no he's the one or she's the one. Anybody can, you can make it work. It works by principles, not by personalities. You can make it work. Look, look, I've been married 47 years. 47 years. Yeah, it's not all been great though. Some days suck. You know, it's like, this, but do you say, well, that's, you know, no more of that. I, I'm falling out of love. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Huh? What's that got to do with anything? You gotta, you gotta keep walking. Keep walking. With that new operating system, anything's possible. Nothing's impossible to him who believes. Nothing's impossible. I'm talking about real life. I'm not just talking about it getting excited and spitting and giggling and dancing around in a church service. I'm talking about when you go home and you got to face that un, unreal reality and say, how am I going to deal with this? You're going to deal with it by stepping in faith and saying, this thing stops today. I'm drawing a line in the sand. No longer is this river of Adam's life going to be coming into my system. This stops today. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm yeah, you go right ahead. It won't do anything. You do, but you draw that line if it'll make you feel better. It won't lead to anything happening. But you go ahead, draw that line. In Jordan, I'm getting across there into my future, into my promised land. Okay, just a couple more points. Once you cross that river, it starts flowing again. You can't get back. This is called commitment. This is called I'm going over. Oh, it's flowing again. I'm stuck now. I'm right in front of Jericho. Oh, Lord, i got to deal with this thing now. What's the biggest thing in your life? All walled up and looking secure. <laughs> so is your sin all walled up like, you know, like Jericho? This is so just mind-numbingly awful. Staring you down and saying you're never going to make it. Beat the bully, friend. Don't be intimidated. Don't, don't let that bully get you in your head. Say, man, I'm taking you out. I'm not good with bullies. Are you? I, I just don't like that feeling of somebody bullying me. When I stop at the lights, you know, I'm at the lights and, and, and you just look down and the light went green. And you just were a, a half a second too long. And you look up and the guy behind you goes, ah. That's an angry honk. It's not the friendly honk. It's the honk honk. It's like, there's, there's a honk language, right? Honk. Next, next Sunday night, you're going to have, you're going to have a whole bunch of honkers all around. The, the, the winning team, honk, 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 It's a victory honk. Yeah. Then there's the grandparent, goodbye honk. Honk, honk, honk. Yeah. There's, there's the wife coming home who wants help with the groceries. Honk, honk, honk. Right? But then, but then there's the angry honker. The angry honker. Oh, something goes, boom, like triggers in me, right? And I just, I just lose the anointing. I'm, uh, 
I don't know. I just, I'm gone. I, man of God, what's that? You know, and so. Oh, he sure is entertaining. He ain't teaching anything that God's word actually says, but oh man, he's got them feeding right out of his slime ridden hands. I just look in the rear vision mirror, open the door. I go around the back. I pop the boot. I get that jack. I smash those headlights in my mind. I look up. I realize, whoo, that's a church member. I realize, man, this is, I'm just turning into church. Yeah, it's at the lights of the church. She's coming to church. Oh, God, you know. Right. Blessed to be a blessing, right? Blessed to be a blessing. So, who's been like that? Who's been that in, our, in the history of the world? Well, let me ask you this. Have any of you... Uh, Today, and this is kind of a revealing question. It's almost like asking people who have sinned to stand up. But we're not doing that. (laughs) How many of you wash your teeth this morning? Ooh, yeah. A lot of hands didn't go up. Uh, How many of you flossed today? Wow. That's only like 20. So apparently we're done with all of the biblical portion of this sermon. Now it's just devolved into, did you brush your teeth today? Oh. You know when you floss and you, and that smell? My God, that's like, it smells a sofa. It's from hell. It's like, and, and big bits of meat, like you've been stuck up there for years. Chewy, you start chewing up. Oh, taste is like, right? How about how about, so many gross looks at this house right now? You know, you know the little brush ones. My wife's bought me the little brush ones. You go like this, and it goes out all over the all over the mirror, right? It's like when you're a teenager, you pop and bang, explode over the. You know, like, oh, that was a good feeling. Wasn't that a good feeling? Felt like your whole nose went out there. It was just like, it's like, okay. So, once upon a time, there was a young man called William. About a hundred years ago, in the streets of London, scraping up soap out of the gutter, out of factories, putting together little cakes of soap, and an old sailor came up to him and said to him, "Son." Somebody's got to be the greatest soap maker in the city of London. Why not you? If you will go to church, serve Jesus, and if you will tithe and give to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So you could be the greatest soap maker in all of London if you tithe. Says no biblical text anywhere. Yeah, so uh, he started by promoting his products at the begin his books at the beginning of the sermon. Twisted the word of God. He's now off in another tangent, and I feel the thumbscrews coming down for you know for, to basically create the expectation that God will turn you into the greatest whatever you are in your current business realm if you just tithe. 
And if you will have an honest pound, meaning he had integrity, he said a pound of soap was a pound of soap, then the Lord will bless you. That young 16-year-old did that. His name was William Colgate. Yeah, yeah. And today, he is responsible for billions of clean teeth all around the world. He is responsible for clean people everywhere. He started by giving 10%, then he gave 20%, then he gave 30%. At the end of his life, he was giving 100% of his income to the church, to the Lord, because he had enough. He was so blessed. Listen to me. Somebody has to be the greatest real estate developer in San Diego. Somebody. So just tied to C3 San Diego, and you can become the greatest real estate developer in San Diego. Has to be the greatest taxi driver owner in San Diego. Somebody has to be the greatest hotel owner in San Diego. Somebody has to be the greatest whatever in San Diego. It could be you. It could be you. Will it be you? Make sure to write your check to Phil Pringle, care of C3 Church, San Diego. Could be you if you were to start saying, I'm going to bless the house of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could be the greatest real estate developer if you tithe. No biblical text teaches this. He will start to bless your business. 97% of us are never going to stand in a pulpit and preach. But you know, there was a young, another young man called Hugh Sappy Music. This in and of itself is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience to get them to make decisions. Apparently the decision is to get you to tithe. Uh, but this entire sermon has been manipulation from the beginning up to this point. So this is just manipulation upon manipulation. Cowell, young Cowell. I'm just going to find it here. Young Cowell, Henry P. Crowell. He got tuberculosis when he was a boy and he couldn't go to school. After hearing a sermon by a guy called Dwight L. Moody, Young Crowell said, I can't be a preacher because of this tuberculosis, but I can make a good businessman. Just because it's inconvenient to be one thing doesn't mean you can't be another. I can't be a preacher like Dwight, but I can be a good businessman. So he went out and worked outside under his doctor's advice for seven years. Then he bought down a little rundown Quaker mill at Ravana, Ohio. Within 10 years, Quaker Oats was a household word to millions. For over 40 years, Henry Crowell faithfully gave 60 to 70% of his income to God, having started from an initial tithe of 10%. This could be you too. You know, We want you to give all of your money to C3 Church, is basically what he's saying. How are you going to step into that blessing? Well, number one, you got to cross Jordan and get committed. Yeah, you got to cross your Jordan and get committed. That, that's how you can get this blessing so that you can be blessed. This is a form of the prosperity heresy, by the way. Start tithing, and I'm not going to stop. If that Jordan River is tithing. It, is on. your Jordan River tithing? Get over that. If it's just giving to vision builders, come on, let's get over that. Don't be afraid. He's coming to bless you. So you can pay for debt-free for all these ranches and all this land and... Take the gospel forward all over the nation. But it's not just about money, please. It's given anything of your life to serve the Lord. 
South Campus, it's been great having you. And uh, Pastor Drew's going to take over right now and just ask you a little question down there about... All right, we're done. Wow, what a mess. Yeah, Phil Pringle, he is not a solid Bible teacher. He is a manipulator and a manipulator for money. I think he is the poster child for teaching for shameful gain what you ought not to teach, which Scripture warns us about. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My mail address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and by death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.